So if you would just stand for the reading of scripture. We're going to be looking at Ecclesiastes chapter 11, beginning in verse 7, and then reading through 12, 8. Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher, all is vanity. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. This mic's working super well. Hope so. So obviously, uh, I'm not usually up here. Jared's still in the recovery stage. So y'all be continuing to pray for him um, and his weak heart. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> that, uh, that the Lord would strengthen him. Uh, he seems like he's doing much better, but uh, there's you know, still some, some weird beats and stuff here and there. So um, you know, recovery is, is on its way, we were hoping. So this morning, as you just heard, we're looking at Ecclesiastes, um, end of chapter 11, first part of chapter 12. But to start this morning, um, there's this short story by Tennessee Williams, um, who's a great playwright, really, but I don't know if you've heard it before. Uh, The story's called Something by Tolstoy. And basically, it's about this shy fellow named Jacob, who uh, inherits this bookstore from his grandfather um, and uh, in this apartment above it. And he's married to this lady named Lila, uh, who's his childhood sweetheart. You know, they grew up together, fell in love young. Um, and Jacob enjoys this, that kind of quiet life of a bookseller, right? Um, but Lila is not so keen. She longs for this life of adventure. She wants something so much more. And so she decides that, that she has to leave Jacob 
and pursue this life in the theater. She wants to be an actress, so she goes to do that. Um, and Jacob, of course, is devastated. I mean, this is the love of his life, his childhood sweetheart who's leaving him. So at their parting, he reaches into his pocket, and he gives her one of the keys to the front door of the bookstore. And he says, you'd better keep this because you will want it someday. Your love is not so much less than mine that you can get away from it. You will come back sometime, and I will be waiting. And she kisses him, and she leaves. Well, to escape the pain, Jacob kind of withdraws himself, and he pulls back deep into the bookstore, immerses himself in his books, his only way of escape. And he waits patiently for his love to return. So he reads, and he waits, and he grieves, and he reads, and he waits some more. And for nearly 15 years, Jacob waits there in the bookstore. And then one day, at Christmas time actually, <laughs> Lila comes back. She walks through the door of the bookstore. Jacob rises from his reading desk and walks up to her. This place that had been his place of escape for the better of two decades. He gets up, walks up to her, and he says, Do you want a book, ma'am? Lila's kind of startled at first, like, do you not recognize me? You don't know who I am? But she maintains her composure. She doesn't say that. She just says, yes, I want a book, but I've forgotten the name of it. And then she tells him a story, a story of childhood sweethearts, of a newly married couple moving into the apartment above a bookstore, of a young, ambitious wife who left to chase a career in the theater, who enjoyed immense success and fame, but could still never relinquish that key that her husband had given her when they parted. It was this beautiful story of lost love. Jacob stares at her for a moment, deep in thought, but his face doesn't really show any signs of recognition. Lila wonders, like, how has he lost touch with his heart's desire? He said he'd be here waiting. Has he, does he not know why he's waiting and grieving? All he remembers now is the waiting and grieving itself. So in one last attempt, she cries out, You remember it! You must remember it! It's the story of Lila and Jacob! And after a long pause, Jacob replies, There's something familiar about the story. I think I've read it somewhere. Um, it comes to me that it's something by Tolstoy. And Lila drops the key and runs out of the shop. Jacob goes back to his desk. He picks up his book where he'd left it, unaware that the love that he'd been waiting for had come and gone again. What does it mean to remember something? <laughs> it's to keep it in our minds, to hold it in our brains, to keep it there. And there are some things that we wish that we could remember, right? Remember better. Maybe it's a loved one that you lost, who died when you were young. Maybe it's the way your childhood home looked. Maybe it's the moments of your kids' lives. But there just isn't enough space in our minds to retain every single moment of our existence. There's not enough room for every fact we've ever learned, for every thought we've ever had. And unfortunately, it seems like we don't have a lot of control of what does get to stay in our brains. I'm sure we all have memories that we'd rather not remember. At the same time, we have things that we wish we could remember better. But, oh golly, like Jacob in the story, we just don't. And then there are things that it would seem absurd to not remember, at least, at least somewhat, right? Your wedding day, uh, the birth of your children, these moments in our lives that it's like, how could you not remember at least something about that? 
And I think the story of Jacob and Lila illustrates that really well. We think it sounds crazy. How could this guy who's been waiting for his love to come back for 15 years not know her when she walks through the door? How could he not remember the story that she told him? How could you not remember? Well, the point of the passage we're looking at today here in Ecclesiastes, the point of this is is a call to remember. And in this case, it's something that we would be very, very foolish to forget. Because the call of the passage here is to remember our Creator, to remember our Lord, to remember Him specifically while we're young so that we can enjoy life, this fleeting life, this vain life, as he uses here in Ecclesiastes, to enjoy it like He means for us to, as He intends for us to, before old age inevitably comes, and with it comes difficulty and pain, In order to give us this encouragement, the preacher actually gives us several related commands. And then in chapter 12, as you just heard, he paints this incredibly poetic and beautiful picture of old age through the bulk of chapter 12 to help young people realize why it's so vital to enjoy life and to remember God while you're still young. So, just to kind of outline the text for you, chapter 11 the last part of 11, 7 through 10, the call there is rejoice. Two commands, rejoice, and then in chapter 12, we have the command, remember. Rejoice and remember. So let's first consider, in chapter 11, how we are encouraged to rejoice. And notice we don't get to that command right immediately. Verse 7 says, Light is sweet, and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So he starts out, saying, it's a good thing to see each new day, right? It's a good thing to get another sunrise, to wake up each morning, see the, the light of the sun shining upon the earth. But there's not, it's not just like, oh, it's good to wake up. There's some metaphorical weight here, right? You can hear it. Um, it's good to enjoy the sunshine. I'm sure you've all heard the phrase like, make hay while the sun shines, right? What, the, what does that phrase mean? While the sun is shining, while good times are, are happening, you need to make the most of it. So we know this idea of like light shining on someone, they're experiencing good things. It's going well for them. And that's a biblical thing too, right? We look throughout all of Scripture and we see this picture of light and darkness. The sun or the light shining on someone is like a metaphor for goodness and happiness. We even talk about uh, the, the Lord's face shining upon you and being gracious to you. On the other side, darkness or night is this metaphor for difficulty, for suffering, for hard things. So the preacher here is telling us not only that it's good for us to like wake up and have life, but it's good for us to have happy days. And that's, that's a, a great blessing to us, that it's not a bad thing to enjoy a happy day. It's good to walk in the sunshine. And then he comes to chapter, to, chapter, to verse 8, where he gives us this encouragement about how we can live out Uh, our lives, in light of the kind of the shining of the sun upon us. He says, so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. So here he gives two encouragements. Um, The fancy word, like, uh, if you want to know it, just for fun, uh, is a juicive, which is like a soft command. It's not like an outright, um, you know, imperative, like a hard command, but it's it's a soft command. It's an urging, an exhortation. Uh, Notice how he says it here. He says, let him rejoice and let him remember. 
Okay? So first, we're urged to enjoy every day of our lives. Even if there are a bunch of them, <laughs> however many there are, enjoy them. We should rejoice in each and every day that God's given. And I'm sure that immediately when I said that, rejoice in the day, you, you immediately jump to probably Psalm 118, right? This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Or maybe you jumped to Philippians chapter 4 where Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Scripture is full of calls for us to rejoice in the Lord. Each day is a gift and so we should rejoice. Each morning when we awaken to see the sun, as he says here. But notice that second part of verse 8. He kind of tempers this call to rejoice just a little bit because he says, so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. This is kind of difficult. We should rejoice in each day, right? Each day that we're walking in the light of the sun, but at the same time, we have to keep in mind that dark days will come. Not every day is going to be bright and sunny. Many will come with darkness. When we get to chapter 12, we're going to get a little glimpse, right? He spends this, this huge amount of time kind of laying out for us the darkness that's coming with old age. But at this moment, the encouragement is to enjoy each bright day. Each, rejoice in each bright today because you never know when tomorrow will be dark. Then at the end of verse 8, you see this very familiar refrain, right? He says, all that comes is vanity. We've seen this word vanity throughout Ecclesiastes, right? It's this this Hebrew word hevel, which means a vapor, a wisp, uh, something that you can't grab a hold of. Each day is just another wisp of smoke. It's just another vapor, which gone in a second. The light days, the dark days, all are fleeting days, which makes this call to rejoice in each one even more profound. We have to to recognize that both dark days will come and that this life in general is over before we know it. So how foolish would we be to not rejoice in each day that we are given? This is the day that the Lord has made. Rejoice in it. Now, in verse 9, the preacher kind of comes back and, and, and hits this encouragement again. So he, this time, though, it's a command. And this time, he comes at it with a specific audience in mind. Look at verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Now, back in verse 8, we're encouraged. There's this encouragement to rejoice. Let him rejoice. But now, it's an outright command. He doesn't just say we should. He says rejoice. And it's directed specifically at young people. So listen up, young people. You listening? I don't know where the line is. I don't know where the preacher of Ecclesiastes would have drawn his line for young people. I don't know. Let's say under 30. Because that encompasses over half of our church, I think. So... That's a good, good swath of you. Listen, young people. The preacher tells you, young people, to rejoice in your life while you are young. I bet y'all are, hopefully, you're good at that. Hopefully, as kids especially, it's easy to find joy in life. 
But notice what he says here. There's something that might be kind of confusing because he tells you right after that, he says, walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. Now, for those of us who are not so young, right, if you're not a kid, that's, that's weird sounding. Like, okay, the writer of Ecclesiastes is supposed to be a wise man. He's writing this book all about wisdom, right? And here he's telling young people to walk in the ways of their heart and the sight of their eyes. Does he know what the hearts and eyes of young people are set on? Doesn't he know that young people are notoriously idolatrous, bent on self-gratification, right? Doesn't he know, young people? Hasn't he read in Deuteronomy chapter 15 where the Lord said this to Moses? Listen, speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner and it shall be a tassel for you to look at and remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to pour after. So you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. What? God has clearly told Israel, don't follow your heart and eyes. But instead, you need to remember the commands of the Lord. That's what you need to do. So how do we reconcile? How do we deal with this? Here, the the preacher in Ecclesiastes is saying, hey, young people, follow your heart and eyes in what seems to be direct opposition to what the God has already told his people to do. Okay, this is a lesson in context for us. This is a lesson in... I could happily go and pull this verse out, walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. I could stick it on a pretty little banner, put a nice frame around it, sell it at Hobby Lobby, and people would be like, yay, permission from the Lord to do whatever feels right. No, look at the very next sentence. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Doesn't have the same kind of ring to it anymore, right? So we're, we can't miss the point of the encouragement here. The point of the encouragement is to enjoy life now, in the present moment. To not, to not wait for some magical time in the future to come when you, you have the right job and the right spouse and your perfect little family. And it's like, okay, now I can stop and I can enjoy life. Now that it's the way it's supposed to be, I can enjoy it. No, it's a call to make the most of it now. But with the acknowledgement that what you are doing now matters. God's going to judge your actions. So enjoy life, but do it wisely. Be aware of the consequences of your choices. But don't miss out on the joy of youth. And verse 10 kind of reinforces this idea. Look at verse 10. He says, Remove vexation from your heart. Put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. The message here is enjoy life while you're young, but don't be foolish. Don't be stupid and make bad choices that end up hurting yourself or damaging your future. I'm sure that those of you who are older probably have some stories that you could tell about choices you made while you were young in the name of enjoying life that ended up causing vexation and pain. Maybe not in that moment, but maybe years down the road where the vexation and pain arose from a choice you made while young. Maybe some of you who are young are already experiencing that vexation and pain for choices that you've made. So the preacher is, is calling people here, enjoy, calling young people, to enjoy life now, but with care and caution, recognizing that your choices have consequences, 
and recognizing that last sentence, that youth and the dawn of life are vanity. There's that word again. In other words, you're not going to be young for very long. Your youth vanishes like a vapor, like a, like a wisp of smoke, and it's gone. So make the most of the energy, the vigor, the determination, the desire that you have while you're young. Make the most of it now. Enjoy your life, young people. I was actually talking to um, one of the, the young men in our church, I won't use his name, uh, this week about this passage. And he mentioned this idea of the midlife crisis and how this kind of fits into this. And I think that's a, a kind of profound thought. Because not enjoying life properly while you're young could very well lead us to realize the youthful joy we missed out on and try to pursue it later. Right, so don't miss out on the joy that God's calling you to have in your youth. The vigor that you have, use it now. Enjoy your life. And this is not the first time that Ecclesiastes has encouraged us to enjoy life. I don't know if you've been listening, but uh, this is the seventh time in the book of Ecclesiastes that we've had this command, enjoy life. We saw it in chapter 2, verse 24, chapter 3, verse 12, chapter 5, 18, 7, 14, 8, 15, 9, 9. So for those of you who came into Ecclesiastes thinking, oh yeah, this is a real depressing book all about how terrible life is. Like, no, one of the most prevalent commands found here is enjoy your life. Rejoice in each day. But in this case, here at the end of the book, this call to rejoice, to enjoy life, is a little bit different because it's followed by a second command right after. And this is a command that, that helps us understand the ultimate root of our enjoyment, and in some ways, the ultimate kind of root of, of everything else we've seen in Ecclesiastes. So listen up to this part, right? This next part brings so much clarity to this command to rejoice. If we stopped at the end of chapter 11, if uh, chapter 11 is all we had, it wouldn't be enough. Because it could easily lead you into thinking that, that just enjoying life is all, that's all it's about. All we have to do is just have a good time, and we're obeying God's word. So, we have to get to this command at the beginning of chapter 12 to truly understand what the preacher is saying. Look at verse 1 of chapter 12. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. So we should rejoice, but we should remember our creator. The call to remember God, that's not a new thing. I mean, turn with me, if you will, to Deuteronomy chapter 8. I think this passage is worth us looking at. Really powerful. Deuteronomy chapter 8, I'm going to start in verse 6. So this is after the wandering in the wilderness. The law has been given at Sinai, and they're looking out and ready to go into the promised land. And Moses speaks to the people this. The whole commandment that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way, you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. And then he goes on to describe the joy they're going to experience in the promised land, right? the wealth they'll acquire, the way that their fruit will grow, the, the wonderful life that they'll have. And then in verse 11, he says this, Take care, lest you forget the Lord your God 
by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest, when you've eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, and then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God For it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Throughout Scripture, God calls his people to remember him to remember what he has done. That's the point of the feasts that the Jews would celebrate. We're called to remember who God is. God warns them, don't forget me. Once you get to the promised land and the sunny days come, don't forget me when when life's easy to enjoy. Notice here that remembering God, how closely it's connected with obeying him with walking in his commandments. Now think back on the verses we just looked at, those verses about enjoying life. The proper enjoyment of life, the best way that you could possibly enjoy your life is through obedience to the Lord, through recognizing his goodness to you. Because whatever we have to enjoy comes from his hand, ultimately. And so we think like, oh, you know, God's commands are like keeping me from living a happy life. No, your enjoyment of life is not limited by God's word. It's defined by it. We can understand what a joyful life looks like if we consider the commands of God. He's told us what is good, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with him. A life in submission to the word of God is is a life of joy. I mean, if you want a more joyful life, look at the Ten Commandments. Want a more joyful life? The second table of the law. Love other people better. If you want a more joyful life, love better. Don't steal from people, but give graciously. Don't kill people. Be merciful. You want a more joyful life? Look at the first table of the law. Worship the Lord your God with everything you have. Come together to worship his people. Make his name holy and great in your life. Read his word. Seek him. A joyful life is a life that remembers God by living in a way that honors him. That's what it means to remember him. To obey him. Overflow with thanksgiving for the blessings that you enjoy. The psalmist says it this way in Psalm 37. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So if you're placing your joy in the Lord, that instruction that we heard in verse 9 is great. By all means, walk in the desires of your heart. Walk in the sight of your eyes. Because if you're set on him, then your desires will be for things that please him. 
Your eyes will be set on his glory, on his majesty, not on your own. And notice here, this is a specific call to remember your creator. Creator, hold on, let me pause there on that word for a second. Remember your creator. It could have said remember the Lord, but it said remember your creator. You owe your very existence to him. You wouldn't even be here if he didn't make you. How foolish would it be for a created thing to forget its creator? Remember your creator. And notice here he says, remember your creator specifically while you're still young. So young people, again, I'm talking specifically to you. Listen up. Enjoy your life and remember God. And don't think that you can enjoy life now and remember God later. Our culture can kind of tempt us this way. Right? Well, I, you know, I'll settle down someday and, uh, you know, we'll go to church and I'll... Uh, I'll give my life to the Lord, and uh, but like I got a, some wild oats to sow, got some fun stuff to do, or uh, you know, yeah, I want to raise my family in the church, and I want to, you know, we're going to read the Bible and stuff together. Uh, once I get married and have kids, I'll, I'll do all that. But I just want to have fun right now. This is time for for enjoying my life. What the Word of God is telling you, right here in Ecclesiastes, is that the truest enjoyment you can find in life is to remember your Creator, God, while you're still young. To start living for Christ right now, not someday. To give your time and attention to His Word now. While the sun's shining, while living is easy, while you don't have the weighty responsibilities and the aches and pains of age. This is the best time for you to set your affections on Him. This is the best time to seek to know Him better. The best time to follow Him more closely to solidify the truth of the gospel in your mind and heart. Don't wait. Because as, as the author here tells us, the days don't get easier. The sunny days don't increase. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Young people, it's easy to have pleasure in your years now. You got so much ahead of you. Your bodies are spry and energetic, full of energy. Your minds are fertile and ready to just eat up every bit of knowledge you can find. There's a lot of pleasure to take right now. But days will come when that pleasure is far more elusive. And in verses 2 through 8, the author of Ecclesiastes describes old age, the difficulties of old age with these beautiful and striking metaphors. So look with me at verse 2. He says, Remember the Lord now, before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain. So remember Him while the sun's still shining in your life, right? While, while the days are sunny and before the rains of depression come, before the clouds of, 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 of loss and sadness come. Remember Him now before uh, the days when the keepers of the house tremble. What are the keepers of the house? Well, your hands keep you, right? They protect you. They, they, they make sure you're clean. They, they, they watch over you in some ways. In old age, they begin to shake. The strong men are bent. The strong men, your, your knees, your legs, your back, the, the things that held you up and together grow weak and weary. Don't work like they used to. The grinders cease because they are few. Your teeth fall out. 
And I'm sure Lanny can tell you dentures are no fun. And those who look through the windows are dimmed. Your eyes grow weaker. Bifocals come. Trifocals come. Eric can tell you all about it. Verse 4, the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low. You can't hear as well anymore. Got to get those dreaded hearing aids. And one rises up at the sound of a bird. You can't even sleep in. You wake up at sunrise every day. And all the daughters of song are brought low. Your voice grows weaker. You can't sing like you used to. can't yell at those darn kids in your yard like you used to. Verse 5. They are afraid also of what is high and the terrors are in the way. So with a lot of older people, fearfulness and paranoia may arise. The almond tree blossoms. An almond tree blossom is bright white. So the hair turns white with old age. The grasshopper drags itself along. You, you were once lively, bouncing, young person, but you're like a grasshopper who's lost his jump. And desire fails. Food doesn't taste as good as it used to. You don't find pleasures in all the same activities you used to before. Because man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Death is so near that the mourners are just waiting outside your house. So remember him, verse 6, before the silver cord is snapped, the golden bowl is broken. This is a picture of a, of a, of a lamp. Your precious life, this golden lamp held up by this precious silver cord. And in a moment, the cord snaps, the lamp of life falls to the ground, and the flame goes out. The light is gone. Or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. The pitcher, the thing thing that gathers water, water brings life. This pitcher is shattered. The wheel which pulls the bucket up out of the well, it's broken. You can't get water anymore. Life is over. And the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. One day, death will come for every one of us. That's something Ecclesiastes makes very clear. And perhaps we'll endure some of what we see in this poem. Perhaps we will lose our sight and our hearing. Maybe our our backs will bend. Maybe we'll grow old and gray. But maybe we won't. And likely for some of us, realistically, our silver cord will snap and the golden bowl, the golden lamp of our life will be broken far before we think it should be. And in that case, that someday that we were waiting for, that day when I would settle down and and remember the Lord then, that day won't come. And that makes the call to remember your Creator while you're young even more important. You don't know that the someday you're hoping for is actually going to be there. And for those of us who are no longer young, or I could say those of you who are no longer young, I don't know, I don't know where I fall in this. (laughs) For those of you who are already experiencing some of the difficulties of age, I think this still applies to you. Rejoice in each day. At the same time, remember the Lord who has given you days of sunshine. Remember his faithfulness to you over the years. Remember the days that were full of happiness. Recognize that he's good. Recognize that he deserves your praise whether the sky is sunny or whether the clouds bring rain. As Job said, he gives and thanks takes away. Blessed be the name of Because here's the big thing. No matter where you are in the scheme of things, life is fleeting. Look at verse 8. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. 
all is vanity. This is how he started this book. This is how he kind of ends it with this refrain, vanity of vanity, all is vanity. Everything goes away so quick. Those of you with kids know that, right? Every day it seems like, wow, where did, where did time go? It's all vanity, a, a vapor, a wisp of smoke. Each of us is here for just a second. So rejoice in that second. Rejoice in the time you have. Praise the Lord each new day you get. Center your life on him. Remember him. And the sooner the better. Now. He's where you'll find true peace. He's where you'll find true hope, true joy. (laughs) For those of you who are doing the Bible recap, he is where the joy is. He really is. So we should rejoice, remember our creator, in each and every day that we are given. And we should do it now. For those of you who are young, do it now while you're still young. For those of you who aren't so young anymore, do it now while you still have breath in your lungs. Rejoice in the Lord and remember your Creator. Rejoice and remember. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we're overcome by your holiness, by your goodness, by your kindness to us. And we recognize that we fail to remember you. We worship you. We love you. But many days our hearts are set on other things. We fail to live with true joy because we aren't remembering our Creator. Help us to remember you, to set our minds and our hearts on you, on knowing you better, on seeking you more, so that we can rejoice in this life. And I pray for the young people in this room I pray that you will bring them to know you soon. I pray that they will live their lives for your glory. That they will remember you now and rejoice in you in each and every day that you give to them. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me?